Welcome to Healing Your Families, where we talk about six areas of health for families, emotional, financial, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And today, we're going to talk about how we can build strong families. I truly believe they are the foundation of society. And if we are able to strengthen our families, then we will create an environment in which we can raise the future leaders, the problem solvers, the peacemakers, individuals with the ability and the dedication to help solve some of the problems in our current society, in our turbulent times. So I wanna talk about four ways, four areas that will help build strong families. And the first, really the foundation of the foundation is a strong marriage. Now I realize we live in a time when there are probably more single parent families than ever before. And there's a lot of controversy about marriage. We're wondering if it's become outdated, if we still need it. But the truth is marriage isn't a human tradition. It isn't just a legal definition situation. Marriage is ordained by a higher power for a purpose, for a reason. And two of the reasons is it provides security and a positive example for children. Obviously, children are, are much happier and can thrive much more easily when they grow up in an environment where there is peace and harmony. And when they see that example of two parents who are working together to support each other, to reach common goals and resolving any disagreements with respect, that lays the foundation for the way they will manage their relationships when they're adults. It looks like this. They see two parents who are working together, problem solving, and of course, there'll be disagreements. There always are. But they see adults who can resolve this conflict with respect, who can apologize when they're wrong and make up if there has been some discord and resolve to work together and be even more effective. They see two adults who enjoy being together, who have fun together, it's important that you see the person you're married to as your friend. I've been married for 50 years and I see my husband as my best friend. But when you have that unity, that solidarity, you know you can win. You know that together you can accomplish and overcome any challenge. Now, a lot of people are hesitant to enter into marriage. They feel like they'll lose their identity or their individuality. I think of it as two circles, his and hers. And when they're single, they are two separate circles. 
But when they get married, they form a Venn diagram. I love the Venn diagram. They have a section that's theirs. And this applies to their time, their money, their interests, their activities. They'll have some that they do together. The household expenses they'll both be contributing to in some way. The time they'll spend together and they will also still have their separate issues, the things that they do individually. Now this overlap is the key. If the circles are concentric, one completely overlaps over the other one, this is usually an indication that one partner is completely dominating the other. This is not a good situation. But if the, if they slowly drift apart until the overlap is gone, they're no longer in each other's lives. The secret is to maintaining that overlap. Now, the amount of overlap is entirely up to the couple. The whole purpose is to meet their individual needs and their goals together as a couple. Now, when my husband and I were raising our children and we both worked and we were active in the community and we had a home to maintain, our plate was really full. And we found that overlap became smaller and smaller. And we worked together to protect it. We decided no matter what, we would have time every week for just the two of us. Maybe it was nothing more than we just wanted to have an uninterrupted conversation without children or phone calls. And it could be as simple as just going for a walk in the neighborhood or going grocery shopping together. But we made sure we kept that overlap, that time, that us time when we nurtured our relationship and grew together. Now, our children are all grown and gone. We're both retired. Our children are dealing with their own Venn diagrams. And our overlap is much wider. And it's sweet. It's precious. You may see a change in the overlap in your own relationship as you go through different phases and stages of life. And it will vary from one couple to another couple. Some couples want lots of overlap and some want a little less. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. As long as this Venn diagram, this overlap, the amount of overlap meets the needs of both you and your spouse, it works. It's the right amount. But protect that overlap. Keep that marriage alive, healthy, rewarding, and blessing the adults as well as the children. So let's start with that, a good, firm marriage. And in some cases, if there is a divorce, that happens. And sometimes it's not your choice. But if you can at least, you still have the overlap of the children. And if you both agree, we both want what's best for our children. 
and you make that the foundation of all of the decisions you make, and that's the focus, you can still successfully co-parent. So we have that foundation. The next is having clear expectations and a healthy family structure. The most dangerous and damaging environment for a child is one of chaos. When they don't know what to expect, they don't know when they're going to be fed or if they're going to be fed, and they could do something innocently thinking it's just fine and suddenly the adults are yelling at them and they're in trouble. So we have a family structure, we have guidelines, we have rules. And we establish these through communication. It takes a lot of communication. And listening is the most important part of communication. We're listening to understand. We're exercising empathy, understanding their feelings, finding solutions, a common ground. We're defining the roles and the responsibilities of the individual family members. Everyone needs to know, children need to know what is expected of them as well as what can they expect from you. And if we spend all of our time as family members, arguing, complaining, bickering, it wouldn't be fun. That quality time means that we're making time to do things that are mutually enjoyable just for the sake of being together. You know, your time is the most precious commodity you can give. There, it's limited. There are only 24 hours in a day, and you are the only one that can give this gift. So remember that. This is what it looks like. It means that we're... Children are learning how to take care of themselves, how to manage their own personal hygiene, how to take care of their belongings. They're learning how to clean in a home as this little boy is being taught. Maybe older siblings are asked to help out younger siblings. They're learning how to work together as a family. Who's responsible for preparing the meals? Who's responsible for cleaning up afterwards? And all of this takes a lot of communication. Every member of the family is included in the decision-making and everyone has a voice. Everyone feels that they are heard. So establishing that family structure, that communication, so everyone knows that they belong, how they fit in, what's expected of them, and what they can expect from the other family members is key to building that strong family unit. Now that leads into the parenting. What kind of parenting is best? You may have heard there are several different parenting styles and movements for what are we gonna call it? What is it gonna involve? How do we parent our children? A nurturing parenting style is one that includes a lot of warmth and affection. 
we're teaching our values. Some parents are hesitant to teach their values. They fear that they would be guilty of indoctrinating their children if they taught their values. The reality is your children are watching you. They know by watching, by your behavior, what your values are. They see how honest you are, how you treat other people, what you do when you're angry. So help them, give them a foundation. When they're teenagers, they will choose, they will decide what they accept and keep and what they reject, but share your values. It will help them understand you better and it will bond you. And then of course we want to encourage independence. This is the one vocation where you work yourself out of a job and graciously accept your success. When you start out with a newborn, you're caring for them 24 seven, you're doing everything for them. But as they grow, you start teaching them how to take care of themselves. You back off and let them become more independent. You prepare them for adulthood gradually and you lead by example. The most influential teacher for your children is your example. Be the kind of adult you want them to be. Show them by example how to be responsible, caring, giving, and compassionate. And it looks like this. We're nurturing them by giving them the most valuable gift we can give. That's our time. Engaging in activities that are enriching, reading together, encouraging and supporting them as they learn new skills and they develop their talents. And teaching them, teaching them the boundaries, helping them understand how to control their emotions, what behavior is expected, comforting them when they're afraid or insecure, and giving them that gift of unconditional love, letting them feel that we love them no matter what. When they can feel that unconditional love, they can thrive, they can open up and grow to be confident, to believe in themselves, and grow to become their best self. Now, speaking of parenting, a lot of research has been done on this. Studies for decades. This is one that started, I think, in the 1970s. And they studied a variety of parenting styles and, and how different ways parents choose to raise their children. They came up with two scales. This vertical line is talking about provided. This is what the parents provide for their children. And we're not just talking about material things like food and clothing and toys, but also their time, their affection, their encouragement, their praise, their attention. And the horizontal line is talking about what they expect from their children. Do they expect them to be obedient, to comply with the family structure? 
And what they found, they did extensive research with college students and young adults, and they gave them two surveys. One just identified what parenting style they were raised with, what, how their parents treated them and in, a, in alignment with these two scales, what they provided for them and what they expected of them. And then they gave them the second survey was measuring how well were they doing in school? How confident did they feel? What plans did they have for the future? How hopeful and optimistic were they? And they found that those students who were the most confident, the most successful, had wonderful plans for a career, were raised by parents who were high on both of these scales. There's the perfect blend right there. So their parents had high expectations for them, but it was blended, it was tempered by their unconditional love for their child. They had rules and regulations, but they were negotiated. They might sit down with their teenager and talk about curfew and why it was necessary, how they loved their children and wanted them to be safe and talk about, so what's a reasonable time? And what's an acceptable consequence if that curfew is broken? And they're communicating. They're working together, all in the best interest of their children. And this perfect blend was found to be most likely to produce, raise young adults who could take care of themselves, felt confident, believed in themselves, and had hope for a bright future. Now the last and perhaps the most important part of raising strong families is knowing that there is a plan of happiness for families. Having a higher power, whatever you want to call it, for me, it's, it's God. And he is the author of families. This isn't a man-made invention. This isn't something society came up with to take care of people who couldn't take care of themselves. This is something that was established by a higher power. Now, think of it in terms of this, that imagine that you are lost in a forest. It's a the trees are thick. You can't see very far. Logically, if you climb to the top of a tree, you would have better vision. You can see further. Better still is if you could communicate with a helicopter that was circling above, that could see for miles in every distance, and could communicate with you which way you needed to go to reach civilization. That's what a higher power does. It provides that aerial view, that, per that perspective. When we're involved in a heated argument with a family member, sometimes we struggle to see anything more than just our perspective, what we want. If we back off, move out, 
we can begin to see their perspective, what they need. And when we have this aerial view, we are able to see, understand what happened in the past that's affecting now, what can happen in the future, how we can prepare for this future. So when we establish habits like prayer, faith, acknowledging, strengthening this connection with a higher power, and obviously mistakes are going to be made, there will be hurt, words said that shouldn't have been said. We establish healthy boundaries. We don't accept abuse. But when it's a, when, whenever possible, we exercise forgiveness and healing. And we seek this through our higher power. Now, even in cases where you have decided to protect yourself and end a relationship, the forgiveness eases your heart. Forgiveness is just deciding, I'm not going to carry this weight any longer. I'm going to get rid of it. And when you serve each other, and together as a family unit, you serve others, this is where the charity and the serving comes in. You strengthen those bonds your love deepens. And these areas, this being aware of this plan of happiness for your family, connecting with your higher power, it looks like this. You're praying together as a family. You're teaching your children to pray, to connect with their higher power. And that there is a broader perspective than what we see here and now. And then together, you're serving to make the world a better place. Imagine a world where we have this foundation of strong, healthy families with these values, with these skills we would have the problem solvers, the leaders, the peacemakers that can make a difference in our world. I feel so strongly about this. I have actually formed a, a Facebook group. It's called Strengthening Families. This is the logo. Now, this was formed for the purpose of gathering like-minded individuals who can see this vision of families, of how they can bless not only the individuals within the family, but whole societies, nations, world, globally. So I invite you to join Strengthening Families. We'll be focusing on those six areas of health. If you have expertise or experience in any of those areas, I'm hoping you'll share it and that we can learn together and strengthen our families. Let's do that. Let's strengthen families and make the world a better place. This is Emily Penrod with HealingYourFamilies.com.